Welcome to Love Notes from a Soul Coach, a podcast where we talk all things healing, what motivates us, what gets in our way, how do we transcend those stuck places and learn to love and accept ourselves more. I'm your host, Mary, and I've crafted each episode around real themes from my private practice and my life with the intention of sharing insight, inspiration, and just keeping each other company along the journey. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into today's show. Hey there. How's everybody doing out there? There's a gentle snowfall in New York this morning, which I love. I love winter. When the weather's sunny, I feel this self-imposed pressure to be outside enjoying it, which is always a disaster because I end up on the back patio with the dogs and my laptop, which I can't really see very well when I'm outside. And then inevitably I forget something or the dogs go bananas when the neighbor goes by on his bike. And I end up running back and forth in and out of the house the whole time and getting very little done. I think winter is much more conducive to a writer's life. It's more of a curl up and curl into yourself kind of vibe. So for today's show, I wanted to read you something. I thought we could do story time like they used to at the library when I was a kid. I wanted to read you an old newsletter I put together a while back with a collection of some of my favorite quotes and reflections on them. I'm a big time quote collector. I stole an idea from Ryan Holiday years ago. He writes down quotes that he likes on index cards, and then he arranges the index cards in shoe boxes according to topics so he can reference them easily when he's writing his books. I don't have mine as organized, but I do use index cards, and I like to go through them on a fairly regular basis because... Reading other people's brilliance is a really good way to generate your own. And something I forgot to mention last time, I'm including transcripts for each episode of my podcast. So if you're like me and you like to write things down, if they speak to you, don't worry about pausing the show to do that. I've got you covered. There's a way to easily go back to anything you might want to reference or spend more time with. I wasn't looking to improve the conditions of my life. I wanted to change my life out of all recognition. Jeanette Winterson. When my daughter was young, she had the most beautiful corn silk hair, but it was a full-blown nightmare to maintain. Most of the time, she looked like the before picture in an advertisement for abandoned puppies with matted fur. I would spend a small eternity brushing her locks after bath time, but they would be tangled up again somehow by the time she left the bathroom. One day, when we were running later than usual for school, and the dread of all the other things I needed to be doing more were looming above me like a tidal wave, I saw the scissors on the kitchen counter, and I decided to just snip through the last clump of rat's nest rather than carefully separate each strand out and brush it into submission. Snip! Something in me screamed, Hallelujah! And this moment became a metaphor for so many other things in my life. Maybe it will resonate for you too. Are there things you're painstakingly sifting through, trying to set right, 
when what your soul is actually asking for is a pair of scissors and a clean snip? There is a time for patience and a time for action. There's a time for negotiating and a time for saying enough. There's a time for allowing the unfolding to unfold and a time for having a deep, hard talk with ourselves where we admit that we've seen enough evidence and now it's time to do things differently. That our peace has become apathy or indifference. That incremental shifts will no longer do. It's time for a radical new way forward. What worries you masters you. John Locke. A powerful teacher once said to me, worry or pray, choose one. You can't do both. I sat with that idea for a long time. I realized that what I was calling prayer within myself was not prayer. It was pleading out loud for all the things I was worried sick about to be resolved in the way my ego thought best. Please take blank away. Please bring blank back. Real prayer happens when we open our hearts in the spirit of surrender, seeking alignment with what is higher and wiser than us. It's a conversation, the way a pilot calls out to ground control, because ground control can see things the pilot can't see from the cockpit. Show me is a prayer. I don't know is a prayer. When we worry, we lock ourselves into a negative feedback loop. Louise Hay used to say that the habit of worrying is like praying for and affirming what we don't want for ourselves. Worries are thoughts. Any thought we think over and over again becomes reinforced in our psyche. Thoughts we think repeatedly over time become belief systems. What worries us masters us because it limits us. Our worries become the bars of a cage which contains us. Gay Hendricks talks a lot about worrying as a form of self-sabotage. When we're getting close to a breakthrough or a profound change, which might make our old life look fundamentally different to us, we may go into deep worry mode. This pulls our energy away from the steady upward climb toward a finish line and into the weeds of what-ifs, like a needle into a balloon. Worrying is destructive and expensive in terms of how much life force energy we hemorrhage in this mind state. When you catch yourself worrying, ask yourself, Is there any meaningful action I can reasonably take on behalf of the issue I'm worried about? If there is, give yourself permission to take it and see if that helps break the cycle of obsessive negative thinking. If there isn't any meaningful action to be reasonably taken, see if you can lovingly, gently remind yourself that you're hemorrhaging life force and encourage yourself to shift into prayer mode instead. Please show me how to release all the fear around this. Remind yourself that worries are thoughts and thoughts are capable of being managed by their thinker. Any harmful thought can be replaced by a skillful one. Through this act, we reestablish a painful perspective with a positive one. Nothing could be taken from me, I thought, if I had already given it away. Ocean Vong When we were kids, to save face, we would say things like, I don't care, or I didn't want it anyway, in the face of heartbreaking disappointments. 
Many of us have carried this coping skill into our adult lives, where we've learned to kill our joy before it can turn around and kill us first. We've given up on our real desires. We've settled for second-rate versions of what we want most. We've lowered our standards so the other people in our lives can jump the hurdles with ease. Nothing can be taken from us if we've already given away, but nothing can come to us either because a preemptively broken heart is a collapsed heart. If the roof has fallen in, there's no capacity in the rooms it once sheltered. So how do we keep our hearts open in the face of disappointment? To ask this question is to explore what it means to be open and protected at the same time. These feel like opposites, but maybe they're not. If our true protection comes through our alignment with our higher self and with the energy of love itself, to keep that connection open and flowing is the most powerful way we can protect ourselves. In this scenario, we don't have to avoid disappointments. We can transmute them instead. We grow our container so vast and generous that there is no sadness or hurt it can't dissolve, no difficulty it can't metabolize and turn into fuel. I don't demand a translation of the unknown. Elizabeth Gilbert Your magic doesn't want to be analyzed. It doesn't want to slide under the microscope. It doesn't want to be explained or justified. It's a butterfly that wants to land on your shoulder and flap its wings ultra gently for just a moment in the middle of a summer afternoon. It's there and then it's gone and then it's there again because you are steady enough to let it leave and return again and again. Your magic is your capacity to see beyond the obvious, to feel what isn't demonstrably there, to interpret what falls outside the scope of ordinary perception. Your magic wants to be what A.H. Almas refers to as living daylight, sunshine glittering on the surface of the water, beauty for the sake of itself, life dancing around. When we demand translations, when we need to know things concretely before we're willing to believe in them, we're in ego. We are depriving ourselves of life's nectar. When we are able to locate that part of us, which is still willing after everything that's happened to trust, then we have a real shot at joy, real peace, real reconciliation of our many fractured parts. Resentment is soul suicide, Gabor Mate. We talk a lot in the context of codependency about resentment as poison in our relationships, but we don't talk enough, in my opinion, about how poisonous resentment is inside the relationship we have with ourselves. Guilt is a signal that we feel wrong for wanting what we want, and resentment is a signal that we have betrayed ourselves, saying yes when we meant no, and giving from an empty cup. The soul knows exactly what it's here for. It doesn't apologize for feeling what it feels or longing after what it longs for. The soul is clear. The ego is the complicated one. When we live in an internal state of resentment, we create disease and disconnection from our souls. This is not only painful, it's dangerous. 
When my children were younger, I encouraged them regularly to listen to their intuition, to not go with anyone that made them feel unsafe, to take it seriously if they got icky feedback from within themselves in any situation, that they should get to know and respect that voice, not override it. But I only talked to them about intuition in the context of safety. Until recently, when I made this connection, I wasn't talking with them more broadly about how the voice of the soul is our guidance in every big life decision. It doesn't exist strictly to keep us safe. It also exists to bring us into deeper joy and purpose. Resentment is an alarm going off. It's a signal that we're way off track. We've slipped out of alignment like an injured vertebrae along the spine that holds the rest of the body together. When we feel resentful, the question is, where have I stopped telling the truth? Where am I no longer listening to my soul? Am I willing to let my nose be true nose? Am I willing to say yes to what my soul is hungry for? I hope one or all of these powerful insights will cut through the noise and reach you today and that you'll be able to work with the feelings they stir and leverage that movement into momentum. Momentum can carry us to all kinds of new places in our lives. You know, your time is the most valuable asset you have in this life. So I deeply appreciate your decision to spend some of it with me today. If you heard something that resonated or brought hope or a new perspective to your life in a meaningful way, please consider subscribing, reviewing, and sharing my podcast so it can find its way to more ears out there. If you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me anytime at marywelch.com. You can sign up there to join my mailing list and stay connected to all of my offerings, writings, and updates. Till next time, friends.